Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... This is Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, dear listener. Um, How are you today? Yes, as always, very tired, as is always the feedback, but quite well. Had a busy weekend and week, but, uh, you know, we move. Uh, But yes, I'm quite well. Are you well? I'm also a bit uh, worn out. Very busy in work at the moment. Bit run down. Um, Yeah, I'm gearing up to start my new job in January, so kind of winding down, but I've also got some new duties that have already been handed over. So yes, I'm juggling at the moment, to say the least. Mm. Um, Yes. Is the the new job title Pant Inspector, is it? No, not, not this time. The new job title is Host of... Noel's House Party 2. Ah, I believe that the um, the responsibility of Pant Inspector does in fact also fall onto you, so you'll have to do that as well, I imagine. No, that's that's Mr Blobby, that'd be you. Ah, right, okay, thank you very much for clearing that up. I appreciate the clarification. Yes, yes it is necessary. Um, Fantastic. So, uh, we are here to discuss a game. This time it's my pick, as your pick was last time. A game that we do not mention anymore. Um, this game is Eco. Um, Eco has a meta score of 90. Was released on the PlayStation 2 in the year 2001, so a relatively early title. Was uh, developed by Sony Con- Computer Entertainment Japan Studio and Team Eco. And was published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Um, On to our new feature uh, that we are enjoying. Which is what the critics said at the time. But also what the users said at the time. Or what the users said. Um, So the top review was by a critic called Just Adventure. Easily the most addictive game I have played this year on either console or computer and would be a welcome addition to any adventure gamers collection. Okay. I've, uh, um, I have seen a negative user comment which I found quite interesting um, when I was having a look through some information earlier at work, so I'd be interested if that's the one that you find. Yeah, it depends if you looked at the HD remaster mm. or yes, um, this sure. is the PS2 version. So this is what people kind of said at the time, I suppose, being an older game. Um, So the negative was a score of 75 from from a publication called Four Fat Chicks. Um, Okay, excellent. Your favourite publication, I believe. That is my favourite. that you run? Yep, that's my favourite vestibule of information. Yes, that's one we all need. Um, It is very frustrating at times and loads of fun at other times and on the whole, well worth a playthrough with the magnificent ending making it all worthwhile. Okay. Okay. Quite quite Um, positive. On to the... We'll go with the the negative user review first. So this is, um, again, for the original PS2 version. Got a 4 out of 10 from the user Lost Leader. Unique experience. Okay, so uh, <laughs> just trying to get with the format of Lost Leader's uh, review style. Um, Excellent. Sorry. <laughs> plus points. Unique experience. Plus points. Very aesthetically pleasing. Aesthetically, um, yeah, very good. Aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I liked this game's aesthetics as well. I don't even know. These aren't even plus or minus points. Um, this is, I suppose, middle points. Okay. Atmosphere is driving force for sound. Uh, middle point, many puzzles are visual based. Middle point, no direction. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Negative, AI can be wonky. Slash, slow castle areas often too dark. Negative, combat can be frustrating and or tedious. Frustrate, frustrating and or tedious. Not, not, well, I suppose you could have both at the same time. Um, so that's from Lost Leader. Interesting. Um, 
now the leader that we your, indeed all need the lost leader that we all need um on to potatoes 351 excellent uh, another favorite of mine uh, good friend of mine eco is a beautiful game you play as a young boy named eco who has been taken from his home village and imprisoned in a castle because his horns bring bad luck to the townsfolk upon being imprisoned let's see how long this is before, before i carry on yes if it's a lot uh, okay, maybe no, just it's, the it's cliff a, notes it's not it's not too bad um Upon being imprisoned, a tremor causes you to collapse and you begin your journey to escape from the castle. You soon encounter a young girl named Yorda, who glows pure white and speaks in a different language to you. Through means of physical contact, and sounds dodgy, uh, and trust, you must guide yourself and Yorda through the castle to escape. However, a dark queen wishes Yorda to stay, and so you must battle the shadows to stop them taking Yorda from you. The game... Looks absolutely stunning for an early PS2 game. Extremely large environments, next to no loading times. Highly detailed world and a beautiful soundtrack to match. Eco is a game everyone must experience, young or old, gamer or not. Every few years, a game comes along that defines why gaming exists. This is one of them. Thank okay. you, Potatoes351. Thank you very much, Mr. Potato Head. Insightful, insightful review. Um, I want you to remember that. Remember that user's name and um, reference it. Well, I will do. He's my very good friend. Yes, potatoes three five one. That's right. Um, Yeah, so that was that was uh, our new favourite feature. I think I think that's fair to say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have any history with eco, or what was your awareness of eco? Yeah, I had an awareness of it. If if you remember at the end of uh, the last episode, um, I wasn't sure if Eco was the game with the big dog um, that I believe is from the same developer, but um, you corrected me and I realised that that game is The Last Guardian. So all I, I've never played it before. All I know is that there was a game where it is effectively one big escort mission um, and it's by the same developer of The Last Guardian, which I call the big dog game and of Shadow of the Colossus, which I know is classed as a PlayStation classic, really. Uh, One of, a lot of people consider one of the best games of all time. So I knew very little about this game other than the fact that it's held in quite high esteem, but I've never played it. I've never really had an interest in playing it. So I kind of went into this a little bit blind, Um, but I, Play. It's it's one of those games that's a little bit difficult to get hold of now unless you've got a PS3, which I do. Um, however, I didn't want to get a physical copy of it, but I realised that you could play it on PlayStation now. Um, so I bought a, a month subscription to that and played it on the PS5. So I didn't have the the ideal experience playing it because I was streaming it. So it was a little bit slower than maybe it would be if I'd played like the HD remaster or something. Okay. But um, yeah, very, very minimal experience with this game i.e. none how about you i played this um it was an early ps2 title very early actually yeah and i remember um this is usually where i go off on a tangent about um my probably my favorite era era of gaming so i remember seeing this game in the shops um probably game or, or game station uh when i was a wee kipper <laughs> and, and a little fish yes that's exactly what i was uh and i used to read games magazines and i knew this game was quite highly regarded but the thing that drew me to this game number one the um the box art for the european version not the horrific um North yeah American i've version, seen the american one is horrible awful box art um but the european version is lovely and uh it more than that it released in Europe with a cardboard case, which always felt a bit different. Funnily enough, cardboard felt more premium than um, yeah. plastic. So it it was a it's like those um those cardboard cases you get on or you used to get on CDs, and somehow they felt a little bit more premium, even though they were probably cheaper to manufacture than the plastic. Yeah, um, it's like it's like the pre steelbook case, isn't it? Yeah, uh, so it had this special cardboard case, and it always drew me to it. And as I said, this was the time where I'd cycle constantly um, pre-owned games, and I'd mm. 
uh, take one back and I'd buy another. So I bought Eco. And Eco was one of the games that I bought and I kept. And if I kept a game, it was a sign that um, there was something about it or I really liked it. So I kept this game. And this was way before Shadow of the Colossus came out. It was probably maybe, um, I don't know, maybe 2003-ish. Um, so I played it all the way back then. I played it probably a few times on the PS2. And then I bought the HD remaster. Probably probably played it a few times. Um, quite a few times on the PS3 as well. It's a very short game, so it's a game that I come back to occasionally. Um, and I just think it's a bit special, really. Um, for num numerous reasons. Not perfect, but a bit special. Um, okay, so do you want to give us a rundown of the plot? Yeah, it's, it's quite a basic plot. Like you say, it isn't a very long game. It's about four or five hours long, depending on how you play it. But I know that there are achievements for finishing it in less than two hours. Um, so the, the plot of the game is the game opens and you're a boy who has got horns in his head and he's being taken to a castle by uh, like some guards. And they seem quite, you know, they're not being overly aggressive with him or, or, you know, overly pushy. And they're telling him not to be angry, but he's being taken to this castle to get entombed in this um, like little statue thing. Yeah. And the inclination is that this boy is different because he's got horns in his head. And it seems like maybe it's a bit of a superstition amongst the village that they're from, perhaps, that people with horns in their head should be um, put in these little statues and left to, to rot. Um, but as the game starts, there are tremors in the castle, the statue breaks, and the boy, who is the titular Eco, uh, like breaks out of the stone statue. And the main plot of the game is effectively to escape the castle. However, within the first about 10 minutes... Um, you find this cage. Uh, it's like a like a bird cage that's got this girl trapped in it at the very top of like a spire. And Eco finds a way to release the girl, who is called um, is it y Yonder? Yorda. Yorda. So I, I, on the drive home just now, I was thinking. I kept thinking her name was Yolanda. I don't know why. <laughs> um, so Yolanda. So Yorda. That was and an unexpected turn. There you go, Yolanda. So Yorda and Eco. Um, Just remember, Yolanda was a character from East End, <laughs> or Yolandi, I think. There you go. So East Enders makes its way into Eco. Not that I watched that, but years you and years do. ago, you uh, do. My you watch had it, it every day. Yeah, um, it's my favourite show alongside Noel. But uh, yeah, Eco releases Yorda from the birdcage, and they realise that they don't speak the same language. Um, and Yorda has got this very special skill in that she can open doors with like this magical power that she's got. So Eco effectively guides Yorda through the castle to escape. He wants to escape with her. And as you go through, there are these little black shadows that keep appearing that try to drag Yorda off into these little pools of black shadow. So it's Eco's job to protect her and keep her moving uh, to get her out of the castle. And as the game progresses, you almost get out. But then the queen of the castle um, makes herself visible and reveals herself to be Yorda's mother. And towards the end of the game, when the shadows have managed to get Yorda back, the queen reveals that she is going to use Yorda to make herself live longer, to make herself younger, and that Yorda will be sacrificed. So Eco goes back into the castle, even though he's kind of found freedom and he could just walk away. And he goes back to save Yorda. And at the end of the game, you fight the queen and beat her. You escape and you wash up on the beach after the castle's fallen down and you find Yorda, who is also there. And that's the end of the game. It's quite simple, really, but there's a lot of themes. What's and, your reading and the, of the game? What do you mean? Um, so I think it's kept simple deliberately mm -hmm. and, um, there are certain things that I think your mind fills in the blanks with. Um, so for example, I, I didn't think it was, well, I didn't think, and, and I don't know the answer to this because this is a very 
as I say, um, enigmatic game. Um, I know there was a a manga or something that or, or went alongside this that kind of delved deeper into the plot. I don't know how well received that was. Um, but I always thought that the village was sacrificing Eco and boys like Eco or children like Eco um, to this uh, Shadow Queen. And I suppose, what do you think's going on? Uh, what? Why are things the way that they are in this place? Um, I know that's a very open-ended question, but do you have any thoughts on that? Um, it, it's, it's a hard game to break down because there's a lot of themes to it and there's a lot of... Um, underlying things going on and something that I heard I can't remember the exact title um, or, or, or the, the words for it but the development process um, that they used designed by subtraction subtraction that's or it subs- or, yeah. yeah it was sub- it was subtraction designed by subtraction and the main kind of focus of um, this game seems to be the relationship between Yorda and Eco, and everything else is designed around that so any areas for you know where it was deemed that maybe it would be it would be taking focus away from the relationship of Yorda and Eco, it's um it kind of takes it away from that so that the focus is solely on them and yeah there's I've read a few things. I've watched a few things that suggest that the castle itself is a bit of a character as well, which yeah. I kind of get and I agree with. But my overall reading of the game is that it's one of those um, one of those particular games that maybe is kind of at the forefront of the conversation of whether games are art or not. And it seems like this game is more interested in making a statement about the the artistic nature of video games rather than the video game itself if that makes sense yeah it's not um necessarily a game about gameplay um it focuses on many different areas and hopefully we will elaborate on that as we uh, discuss it so what genre does this fall into because i've heard um i watched a few videos yesterday i've watched some before um some were new to me and everyone seems to describe this in a different genre there are certain words that come up time and again um but yeah how would you describe the genre uh it's a platformer slash puzzle game with combat elements in it that aren't particularly well designed the combat because it isn't the focus so i would say that it is more a platformer puzzler i think uh what would you say adventure fall in there ever action adventure not action adventure like there are action adventure elements to it, like the combat, but because it isn't the focus, the main focus is the platforming and the traversal and the movement. I would say that the the focus is um, the the platforming and the puzzle element. What do you reckon? I would agree with that. Um, those were the words I would lean towards. I know that um, a YouTuber that we're both fond of, Matthew Matosis, says that this is a um, cinematic platformer uh which is a a genre which you don't see many games um in that genre anymore but he says it falls into this genre so um what do you do in it so you've mentioned combat and you've mentioned uh the platforming the 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 main basis of the game which i think is my biggest gripe with it and it's probably something that you expected me to say because we've not really talked about this game much like off air is that it's a big escort mission, effectively. Um, and it's very clear to see the games that have taken influence from Eco. And I think quite a lot of video games in the past have taken a lot of influence from this game. Yes, But I think it's one of the big drawbacks of this game itself. And I've seen a lot of people describe the main element of this game being the escorting, being the the main focus but also being the thing that draws it back the most it reminded me at certain times of um taking ashley around in resident evil 4 
And if you left her alone for too long, the villagers or whoever it was would pick her up and run away with her. And if they got too far, then you lose. And yeah, that's my main issue with this game is that escort missions aren't fun. Uh, you know, the probably the most infamous one that is the least fun is MGS2 with Emma Emmerich. I know that we've brought that up a, a few times over the last few years. Um, but the overall gameplay loop of this game is get into area A with Yorda, guide her around, some shadows will come and try to steal her away, defeat them, solve the puzzle, move into the next area. And that's pretty much the loop of the game, in my opinion. So I'd agree with you. Um, I think this game was a quote-unquote escort mission before escort missions had a bad rap. Yeah. And I think they have had a bad rap since then. And I think um, alongside some other types of mission, they've become one of the more reviled um, types of gameplay. I think a lot of games don't do escort missions right. And, and I completely agree that Resident Evil 4's Ashley sections um, borrow liberally from Eco. Um so my, my follow-on question is, maybe maybe this is a, a question for later really, but other than it being an escort mission, what was it that you didn't like about the escort mission? It's, it's the... You can use God of War as an example, the, the newer God of Wars, where you're travelling with Atreus. So God of War isn't really an escort mission game. You have a companion with you who can defend himself. And I think that is the main frustration that I had with this game is that you're constantly defending and running back and forth, defending Yorda against the shadows that are trying to pull her back down. And I don't mind escort missions as long as the person or the thing that you're escorting can sometimes defend themselves a little bit. A prime example and another game that's probably borrowed quite a lot from Eco is The Last of Us, um, where Ellie isn't being dragged away every five minutes. She can defend herself to a small extent, but you don't have to worry about her too much. And I think that's the thing that frustrated me about this game, is that Yorda is completely defenceless and is entirely reliant on Eco. And I yeah. think that's the main gripe that I have with the game, if you know what I mean. I think it comes from um, a difference in what this game was aiming for. And I think I think you, you, you've alluded to this already. This game um, wasn't supposed to be a gamey game. No. And it isn't... Its aim wasn't to be... Um, I know we're going to move on to the gameplay as King section, but I feel like the focus of this game, that the thing that it was trying to do was a bit different. And I think... The relationship between Yorda and Eco um, served that purpose, but I also agree that it's not what we've come to expect from escort missions. In that now we do want those characters to be um, able to defend themselves. We want them to be yeah. self reliant, and 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 I think it also comes down to a different era. I've mentioned a few times that as gamers. We have grown less patient and a lot of the stuff that we would accept um, 10, 20 years ago, we want streamlined in our games now. And I think that's partly because we're growing older. I think uh, gamers are uh, growing older. Those gamers that it's, it's a young, um, it's a young genre, but those original gamers are now growing older. Um, and I think time is not as available as it once was so i think that has obviously this is these are generalizations but um has evolved the way that we play games and i think the games that we play now in 2023 have kind of followed along so yeah it can be a bit of an adjustment to go back to games um yeah released in 2002 it, it's just an in interesting conversation because i don't disagree with what you're saying um Games are just very I, different I, to what they were in 01. Um, yeah, and, and I think the, this the, game... The, the, the prime well example that you can think of, like one of the 
probably the biggest game of 2001 is GTA 3. And yes. Oh, yeah. That game is... It's not borderline unplayable now, but... <laughs> it's you can not far s- off. No, you can see how archaic games were in a time that doesn't feel like it was actually that long ago. Yeah. A time that we lived through, and mm-hmm. certainly for us that uh, were playing games back then, yeah, that's a lot of time has passed, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it. And no, I it's because we're uh, so young. Reflections. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. On to our ever-present feature, which I suppose is a natural evolution of this conversation, gameplay is king. Um, is eco fun to play? And if it's not fun to play, are there any aspects that are fun? I, no, I don't think this game is fun to play. I think um, the thing that, other than the fact that I needed to play this game for the podcast, the thing that kept me going, and if I wasn't playing it for the podcast and I had the inclination to complete it, I think the thing that would have kept me going is to see how the story ended. Because yep. I think that the gameplay in this game is the weakest element of it. But if you were to push me because I know that you would, in terms of what is the best gameplay element of this, I'd say that although the, the the escort element of this game is the most frustrating element of this game, it's also the best element of this game, is the fact that Yorda is entirely reliant on Eco to traverse the castle, but Eco is also reliant on Yorda and her abilities and skills to get through certain areas of the game. So... It is kind it of like to think a certain way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. About puzzles and yeah. And although it's kind of gameplay but kind of not, I think that what they go for in this game is because the main theme of this game is you focus on the relationship of these two characters and how they help each other out and how they're not very good without the other. I think Correct. that um that's probably the highlight of the game. So it's not really gameplay as such. No, I get that. Um and like I said, I I didn't find this game particularly fun to play. At times, I found it to be a bit of a slog. But thankfully, it wasn't too long. So it wasn't, you know, very long pain. So I wouldn't say that it's fun. Th- this is a game that I look at as more of an experience than a game, yeah, if that makes that, sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think this game doesn't... I think this game starts off well in terms of the tutorials and the, and teaching you how to play without telling you how to play. Teaching you by... Uh, it's that old sort of Nintendo ethos of teaching by showing and then you kind of re- yeah. um, repeat and then you learn moves that way. And there were moves, because I haven't played this game in a, a good few years, and there were things that I knew I could do, but I've forgotten how to do. I forgot what which, which button... Um, triggered certain things for example swinging on um, chains Um, I knew I could do it but I couldn't remember how to do it so I was just um, figuring out with the buttons and there aren't that many buttons used in the game so I think it teaches you in in quite a nice breadcrumb sort of way Um, then it has quite a long section where it's introducing you to combat I also agree um, that combat is this game's weakest point and I think that's quite a common um, thought and even at the time I felt like this game was great in spite of the combat Um, I get why the combat's there I also think I know that the combat serves what they're trying to do the experience but um, I feel like sometimes it drags on a bit too long especially when you're uh, using the wooden club and enemies take 12 hits to, to take down. Um, yeah. They're constantly dodging and the camera's not always Yeah, on the your camera's side a problem. And, and they knock you down and there's, there's a very long sort of uh, get-up animation. So yeah, yeah the, those are the points that I still find a bit frustrating. I do like the... Um, I like the platforming. Uh, the... Fumito Ueda, who is the, uh, the the game's designer um, and a character that will... Uh, not a character, but a person that we'll kind of discuss a bit more later. Um, he seems to have an interest in certain things and there are certain things that recur in his games. And 
the idea of <laughs> this is a funny one um the idea of kind of gripping and hanging on to things seems to be a thing that recurs in his games so um clinging onto ledges and then clinging onto yorda's hand and that would uh, evolve into shadow of the colossus where you're clinging onto these giant yeah. creatures and it would continue into the last guardian as well um I, I find that quite interesting i suppose what i like about platforming in this game is that it's not the streamlined platforming that we get nowadays um yet it's not that hardcore um hitbox miss it by a beat and you're dead sort of platforming that you got before this it's a middle ground and it's not uncharted press forward to platform it's um it requires a bit of thought and a bit of direction and quite a bit of variety to it i'd say um and i enjoy the puzzles i've done them all before obviously but yeah i think the way that it teaches you them is logical and it teaches you to think a certain way um and everything is in service of that you know when you're playing this game that there are certain paths that are blocked and there are certain things that you will not be able to do because the game does not want you to do until you have um got Yorda with you or you've done a certain thing it's very linear in that way but sometimes that's okay um okay so that's that's gameplay as king i want to talk about the castle the, the castle which is the sort of third character um what did you make of the castle in terms of its design um in terms of its mood that it evoked in terms of um the way that it's laid out did you have any reflections on that uh, not reflections as such. I mean, I watched the same video as you did. Um, you mentioned earlier that Matthew Matosis did a, a good video on this, which depresses me, the fact that video is 10 years old. Um, yeah. But I, I, as I was driving home, so I listened to another video, uh, which was a an analysis slash retrospective on Eco that was uploaded by a channel called Table 53. Ah, I think I was watching the same video yesterday. Mm, the video is about an hour 20. Yeah, this is the one. I was watching that same video. And something that Matthew Matosis brought up, as well as um, this this other channel, Table 53, is the sound in and out of the castle. Because the castle itself is there to make you feel lonely. There are no other humans in the castle. It is just you and then whatever the hell your order is. And... <laughs> you're supposed to feel secluded and you're supposed to feel like the castle's against you, but you have Yorda with you, so you're not entirely alone. However, there comes a point where you you lose Yorda and then you are on your own and all of a sudden the castle starts to feel a lot more oppressive. And a um, a small element that was brought up in, I think, both of those videos, which I agree with, is the fact that there isn't really any music in this game other than uh, when you save the game and the music that plays um, at the save points is really nice. It's um, it's a really nice piece of music. But there's no real music in this game other than then and then occasionally when you have um, combat sections. But you can really tell the difference between when you're outside and when you're inside of the castle. Because when you're inside of the castle... You can hear crackling fires. You can just hear Eko's footsteps running around and the echo of him shouting. Whereas when you're outside um, of the castle in the areas that are external, you can hear the birds and you can hear the wind and it feels like a, a much nicer environment. So even though people classify it as the third character, I don't entirely agree with that um, statement, but it certainly is there to make you feel certain ways in certain areas and i think that the developer did a really good job of designing the castle and the environments to make you feel certain ways in certain sections and i think that's been done quite well if you know what i mean yeah um yeah i I think um the biggest compliment i could pay the castle is i don't entirely agree myself that it's a another character However, in the litany of video game castles, this is a memorable one. Um, It's one that stands out amongst countless hundreds of castles that 
I've probably forgotten. Um, and there are a few others that stand out, and this is one of them. Um, I liken this whole game almost to be a giant Zelda dungeon in terms of design. Um, when I first played this game, obviously I played a lot of Zelda beforehand. This game reminded me a lot of Zelda. Mm. I think this game owes a little bit to Zelda in terms of some of the puzzles, the bombs, the um, pushing around of blocks and yeah. uh, the, the manipulation of the environment. And it feels like a long, good Zelda dungeon. And it also feels a bit like a large puzzle box. Everything is part of a puzzle and those puzzles are part of a larger puzzle. Uh, also reminds me a bit of, if you remember, the original God of War. Um, yeah. That large temple towards the end where you're manipulating the whole room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To kind of moving get... around anti-clockwise and stuff. Yeah, and you've got um, you've got two parts. Basically, you're trying to open the main gates in Eco, and you've got two sides. And you're in the you start off the in arenas. the west side. Yeah, and you start off in the west one, I believe, and um, you or it could be the east one. Other way around, but, yeah, it's uh, east, and then you look over and you can see the the west. Yeah, so you start off in the east arena, and you kind of know, and you can you can see it from the east arena. You can see there's one on the other side as well, so you know eventually you're going to get there. I I've said it before, and I'll say it again probably. Um, I like it in games where you can look back and you can see places that you've been. Mm. So. At certain points in this game, you'll look back and you'll see the windmill that you were hanging off of earlier, or you'll see the East Arena that you were um, working your way through earlier, or you'll see the, the the castle gates from different angles, and you'll see um, different things. And to me, that's what makes the castle feel like a real place. So it's not a character to me, but it, it does feel like a real place within this world. Um, because... There's a logic, a video gamey logic, yes, but a logic all the same to the way that it works. And um, I like that. Okay. One of the, yeah, that, that, that's another thing as well. So um, one thing that Fumito Ueda, for me, always did a really good job of, because I, I think this is a very unique world. And I believe, could be wrong, but I believe... Um, the three games made, made or, or directed by Fumito Ueda are set in the same world. Yeah. One thing that I always found when I was looking out onto the um, the sea surrounding this island and this castle and looking off into the forest, I always wondered what the world was like beyond there. What? How do the people live that live in a world like this? Because it's not traditional high fantasy. It's no. not science fiction. It's something else, and it's something that I can't quite put my finger on, something mysterious, and how do those villagers that brought Eco there, how do they live? And if this castle exists in this world, what else exists in, in this world? And we kind of got a bit of an answer to that in Shadow of the Colossus and The Last Guardian. Um, so you've kind of alluded to this already. I've called this section Atmosphere is King. How does this game make you feel? And you've kind of alluded to this, but I don't know if you've got anything more to, to touch on with this. Yeah, I don't know how much more I can say on it, really. It is very much uh, an oppressive atmosphere that makes you realise that you only have each other. And that is the main thing that the game wants you to, to focus on, is the relationship and the importance of Yorda to Eco and Eco to Yorda. Um so the atmosphere that it creates is very much one of a bit of hopelessness, but then there's also a lot of quiet time in this game as well, which I think yes. is important for it. There's a lot of silence. And as well as that, the game doesn't really give you tutorials or something else that's mentioned in the videos that I've watched is there's no, there's no HUD. So yeah. it is very much, uh, this is the screen. This is what you've got now go and work it out. And it doesn't hold your hand at all. And I think that's very deliberate. So the atmosphere that the game gives you is very much one of you are completely on your own. We're not even going to tell you how to play the game. And I think that is one of the main themes of the game itself. Um, a bit of a feeling of hopelessness and solitude. Yeah. I um, I think 
sometimes the interiors make you feel anxious mm-hmm. and the exteriors I find them relaxing it's the colors yeah it's the grass the ambient sound it's when you're outside a lot of the time um you'll just be kind of um platforming and yeah. the combat does peter off a bit in the second half of the game funnily enough um the, you have a big sort of chunk of it um in the first half around the graveyard and a bit before that you have these these big battles where you're using your wooden stick and you don't have the powered up sword yet which takes out foes a lot easier and yeah the, and and because i know this game as well i know what's coming and um i've done the puzzles quite a few times before i i just felt i don't know sort of relaxed and a bit at home when i was outside in the exteriors so it's it's just interesting that the game can do two quite opposite things to you um there were there are times where there, there are enemies inside and you can just run past some of the enemies yeah yeah and i was just running past enemies inside and i thought i don't want to be in this room it's horrible yeah chandeliers falling down it's just awful it's just, who would want to be here um and then the, the parts with the windmill which is so famous and it's just wistful and relaxing and yeah something you don't often get in games um okay you you've, you've we've we've touched on uh, various things in the, in the episode already so one of the things that i think for me to wader um, was interested in and continued to be interested in was the AI companion. So obviously we've talked about the escort-esque nature of the game. I believe um, that he wanted to create a character, an AI character that felt human, um, that felt not video gamey, which is why she's annoying and frustrating and sometimes she doesn't do what you want her to do and she'll be running off looking at the seagulls or when she has a quiet moment she'll be scratching her elbow or doing these things and I think that was his interest in creating these lifelike companions and in Shadow of the Colossus your lifelike companion there is in my opinion without a shadow of a doubt the best horse in gaming um so real um and obviously in the last guardian trico the large dog like dog thing yeah uh also doesn't always behave the way you want him to and, and this is a this is a something that you see in all of these games these ai companions have sort of a will of their own um yeah. don't don't get me wrong when you're climbing ladders and Yorda gets to the bottom rung of a ladder and decides to climb all the way back up it, that's not perfect AI. Something's not quite right there. Mm-hmm. But a the lot of the game is also does... from 2001, isn't it? It's the thing we need to remember. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, and I think in terms of what they were doing with the AI, it, it, at the very least, it's quite interesting for the time. Um, and I think it took games a long time to catch up and... Yeah, you you don't get many games with that hyper-focus on AI companions that want to create these believable companions. I mean, people talk about Alex in Half-Life and um, the way that she's animated, the facial animations and so on. But in terms of the way she behaves within the gameplay, um, she doesn't really do anything to negatively impact your game or um, she doesn't... She behaves quite well, Um and I know that's one of the reasons why people liked her. So, yeah, it's a conversation to be had, but I wanted to touch upon it. Yeah, of course. Now, on to the, one, of the, one, one of the things that I think this game does wonderfully, um, the aesthetic. So would you describe to me, to someone that has never seen this game, how it looks? Um, I don't really know how you'd describe the um, aesthetic. Or as um, as our good friend Potato said, aesthetic. Um, I don't know how you describe the aesthetic of this game or what the the art style is. It feels a little bit kind of um, oh, 
there's like a really specific design that I don't know the name of, but you often find it more so in Japanese games than anything else. Um, and it feels like a very kind of paper-like anime vibe. Yeah. I don't know what the word for that is, but it, it, it has got a very... It's, it's a very Japanese-looking game. Um, it's like a watercolour. Yeah, yeah, watercolour is probably a good way to, to describe it. Um, but it is very unique and very specific, you know? Yeah, and given that this game came out in 2001, as I said, early PS2, we've played quite a few P- PS2 titles and, and games of that era for the podcast. And I think this game has aged tremendously well compared to a lot of those games. I mean, we're talking about GTA 3 and things like that. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's a great proponent for... Um, art style over raw pixel power. Yes. Um, I really love the look of this game and I think it's one of those games that you can look at a screenshot and you instantly know there's Eco, that's Eco, or that's a Famitsu Ueda game because they all have this sort of look that he was going for. Almost a dreamlike look. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good hazy. way of saying it. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just... And, and dreamlike is... And interesting because I, I mentioned the world and what does this world look like, and it is there is a very dreamlike feel to this game. Mm. Um, it doesn't quite feel fully realised. It's a, a little yeah. bit hazy. Hazy um, is a good word as well. I just this, I'm just coming out with the, the words. Know all the words. <laughs> um, so for me to await, I've talked about him quite a bit. The, my, my friend um you're a good friend he was actually an animator um before he was a, a game designer yeah um so he worked on other games and he was animating for them and this game is interested in animation and uh it was all hand animated and i feel like a lot of the animations there's a weight to them and for better or worse so again it doesn't feel very video game it doesn't always feel fun and some of the animations are very slow but there's a weightiness to them. When you're pulling up Yorda from a ledge, it feels like you're pulling up Yorda from a ledge. Yes. And I like that. When you're climbing up a hill, because uh, this game has inverse kinematics, which was maybe not the first, but certainly one of the early um, games that had inverse kinematics, which is when you're climbing a hill and you can see the character's legs bend and the feet mm-hmm. kind of uh, go along with the the gradient yeah, the, the of the difference hill. in terrain. Yeah, and... and there's just a weightiness to it all. So you've got this uh, wistful dreamlike world and you've got this quite grounded animation and you've got this logic system that's under underplaying it all, um, underpinning it all um, while you're playing as well. So in terms of the puzzles and that, it's an interesting combination. Um, did you want to uh, touch on any of the other soundtrack things? Because I will if you don't. Yeah, I, I don't really have to, 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 to... Full disclosure on this, I said to you yesterday, I completed this game last night, but I did it in two sittings overall and I kind of rushed it because of the time constraints that we had this week. So I've not really had time to... I didn't have time to really go through it slowly and take it all in. I've not had time to properly um, yeah. work out in my head yet, very similar to how you felt when we did Final Fantasy IX. Um Yes. And to a lesser extent, Final Fantasy VII, which, by the way, I have completed You've now. You've now completed. And, yeah. And I, I, just as a, a a nice tangent, I enjoyed it. And I didn't love it, but I, I really quite liked it in the end, and I, I got with it. Um, and it's now your favourite so, yeah. game. And we don't mention the game anymore. I forgot that. That's so, right. That, um, that's on you, that is. That is on me. Um, uh, so, yeah, carry on. Yeah, so I haven't... Um, I haven't fully kind of worked out everything on my thought process on it, but the, the yeah. music that stuck with me is the music at the the save points, which um, which I quite liked. But in terms of the soundtrack, I, I don't really have too much to say in terms of the sound design. So you uh, you go and fill your boots. Um, it is a very minimal soundtrack. Yes, and a lot of it is ambient. Um, there are maybe three or four, four or five tracks in the whole game. Um, there's one which is a nice guitar 
sounding track and I think that's played in the intro um, that's quite nice there's a, a a very interesting piece later on so you kind of um, you, you arrive I'm surprised really we haven't, we haven't talked about this yet We you arrive in a room um, and you start fighting shadows except the shadows look a little bit different and this is really the true form of the shadows the shadows are all the other children that the villagers have taken there over probably decades and left there. The shadows of these children with the horns are what you are now fighting. And they don't fight back. You're just wiping them out with the sword. Um, and you've got this unsettling but catchy music playing in the background that sounds like it's been ripped from a horrific fairground or something. Um, that's an interesting piece that serves the mood of that moment. The realization that these are you; these are these are you yeah. from before, as in, or these, these these are people that were in the same position as you. This is what they've become, but they're not fighting back, and they never. Yes, they they knocked you out of the way to try and take your order back, but they weren't trying to hurt your order. Um, and it's one of the ways that this game plays with your expectations. Um, that's really nice, and I love the uh, the credits theme that plays with the with the um, the vocals. I just think that's a lovely piece, mm. and sometimes I'll listen to that outside of the game. Um, okay, on to our question of the week. I um I was trying to find the right, right wording for this. So, for Mito Awade, you may not. I don't know if you'd heard of him before this game, had you? No. So he's one of. Um, the video game designers that is held in very high regard by lots of people. He's one of these designers that if a game is released, it's a Fumito Ueda game. It's a, it's a game by him, like a Hideo Kojima game. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a Miyamoto game or nowadays a Druckmann game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, David Cage. And yeah, yeah, exactly. That some Something very distinctive about that. And some people describe him as um a genius in terms of uh, what what he's presenting and his vision and achieving that vision through his games this was his first um game helmed as a yeah. as the director the lead designer and so on and he had his fingerprints all over this game the uh, the european artwork i mentioned earlier he drew that um just things like that and i was just wondering how do certain game designers, Miyamoto, Kojima, Druckmann, Ueda, how do they get there? How do they become bigger than the products that they make? Why, why is that a thing? Um, marketing. I, just, what, what, okay. I, think, I think it's a marketing thing because you think of, um, if you think of No Man's Sky, do you think of um, the, 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 the lead developer? Wreck. The train wreck, yeah, but if you think about the hype train that surrounded that game... Yeah, that's, that's what I mean, that the hype train and then the kind of letdown when it released. Yeah, I can't remember that, the guy's those name. promises by... Yeah, I can't remember his but, name either. <coughs> but it was, it was the case that he was everywhere. He was doing all the interviews and whenever any interviewer asked him a question, like, yeah, you can do that, and you, you couldn't do that. And... You know, No Man's Sky has got his, uh, got a video on YouTube by the internet historian called the 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 In Goodening, I think, of No Man's Sky, and it was In a train Goodening. wreck upon release. But they then got their heads down and fixed it, and they did what they said they were going to do, which is good. But if you think of, um, or if you think of any game by Bethesda, who's the person that you think of? Todd Howard. Todd Howard. It's the people that put themselves out there and want to be seen as the main um, main people, I suppose. Whereas if you think of Rockstar, yeah, you probably think of Sam and Dan Hauser, but they were never really that prominent in interviews no, and, and the run-ups to the games. So I think that... In terms of the creative, how how involved were they? I don't know. They're, they're, they're pretty involved. They're the lead writers. Okay. Um, on pretty much all the games up until one of them left after Red Dead 2. Um but I think it is a marketing thing. Hideo Kojima has openly always said that he wanted to create films. And I think it's yeah. probably the same for David Cage as well. Neil Druckmann, yeah. 
is a little bit different. And Todd Howard, I think all of the people that you see as these big game creators, they're there because they want to be. They wouldn't ha- they wouldn't have to do it if they didn't want to be that person. So I think part of it comes from probably ego, because I think it would be fair to say that Hideo Kojima definitely has an ego. <laughs> no. You, you, you know, th- th- there's there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of... Um, Don't slag him off. I would never slag off um, <laughs> our good friend Hideo Kojima. But there there is a lot of self... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Aggrandizing? Yeah. Flagellation, perhaps. Um, but You're going to go somewhere else with that. <laughs> self-flatulence. Um but yeah, the, the people that you see as the the heads of these games, they're they're visible for a reason. They're visible because they want to be. So I imagine I don't really know anything about um, Umeda at all, other than the fact that he designed this game, Shadow of the Colossus and Dog Dog Guardian. But I imagine that he's well known because he wants to be. Because if he didn't want to be, then he wouldn't. It's the same as actually no, it's not the same. I was going to say it's similar for like Iwata for Nintendo but it isn't because he was a president of Nintendo so it's you know he needed to be but I he think he was that, also um, a game designer once upon a time as well yeah he was a, a game freak yeah but um, yeah I, I think it's by design I don't think it's accidental that some game developers or designers or producers become as big as the things that they're selling it's because they want to be you know yeah what are your I thoughts? don't I don't really have a I don't really have an answer to it. Um, no. I think it differs between um, these big video game designers. I think some I completely agree. I think it's ego driven, and if if you're not talking about them, they're not listening. Um, yeah, Hideo Kojima probably. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, some some people. So another one that comes to mind. So we played uh, we played Near earlier in. Uh, my, my choice of games and I know as part of the open critic list we've got near Automata or Automata um, and the director of those games is Yoko Taro who famously wears a mask um, because I think he's very very shy and he, which could be a, also a, a gimmick of his um, yeah. but I, I do feel like it comes from um, just not wanting to show his face but in not um, wanting to show his face, it gives the impression of the lady doth protest too much. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, like he's a, like he's an an, 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 an an I can't even say the word enigma. Yes, um, and the Barbara Streisand the effect. Yeah, uh, and I do feel like with the waiter, it's his games are known amongst gamers, and his games are known amongst developers, and he's well respected in that circle, but. Um, and and his games are distinctly his, and he's got his fingerprints all over them. But I, I feel like he's not necessarily um, shouting from the rooftops about himself. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's probably different for everyone in the same yeah, way that it's uh, different for every film director. Some film directors are a bit odd, but they're great directors. Some are... Yeah. Um, wants to be in that position, wants to be known, wants to be as famous as the actors in the films. Um, and some just love the art. And I think that's what you get occasionally in gaming. Some just love the art of it. And I wanted to steer clear of the word art when describing this game because it's kind of a thrown around thing yeah. that I don't necessarily think is that important, whether it's art or not, because I know there's there's that thing of, oh, a game's art. Well, doesn't really matter does it games are games and this is a good one so you know does it, it matter if, i don't know if i was to compare it to any film director um i would compare this game to a wes anderson film okay it, it's very unique in what it is and it's very simplistic but it does what it wants to do well even if it is yes. a little bit clunky and not to everyone's taste yeah yeah um okay on to our one word description how would you describe this game in one word? Um, how would I describe this game in one word? Hmm. Tedious. But I don't mean that in an entirely negative way. 
the gameplay is tedious in some aspects and the gameplay loop it has a level of tedium to it but it doesn't mean that the entire game is tedious but that's the first word that came to my head okay fine what about you um loneliness is mm-hmm. the word i was thinking of a few words um this is what i tend to do nowadays when i'm playing a game because we've introduced this section I th- i'm thinking of the, the words that come to mind to sum up the game for me yeah and i think loneliness was the word that i landed on these characters although they're relying on each other although they're forming this relationship together they don't speak the same language there's this language barrier that always keeps them isolated and they can never quite understand each other um the island itself is this lonely isolated location the rooms the inhabitants everything is just filled with this lonely sadness and this world that they live that they live in feels like um on on the one hand feels hopeful on the other hand feels desperately sad and just tragic um so yeah loneliness was the word that i landed on that felt the most appropriate yeah okay does this game deserve to be on the Metacritic Top 100 list? I think I've said this answer before about another game. I can't remember what it is. As a game, no. But as an experience, yes. Okay. So I don't really know how to answer it. I mean, if, if it is just, does this as a game deserve to be in the Top 100? I don't think it does, because the gameplay of it is what drags drags the whole thing down for me. But... If we were to take the gameplay element out of it, or the the issues that I have with the gameplay, it is a good, it, it is an interesting experience. So, I can understand why so many people hold it in such high regard, and it is some somewhat of like a cultish kind of classic. Um, but I would say, just based on game, does it deserve to be here? No. But overall, as a a media experience, yes, I think. Yeah. Um, it's almost like that conversation about games in the is a game just a game or is it or can it be more can yeah. it be an experience can it be can it compete with the best heavy hitters of film and book mm. um so for my 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 wrap up of it i'm going to touch on an element that i haven't really touched on yet which is um i can be quite critical of modern sony i'm aware of that but it's because I loved a certain aspect of Sony in the past. You know this what it is can the Sony be. that I love. Yeah, this is so, the Sony um, Computer Entertainment Japan Studio released a bunch of great games. This is quirky Sony doing something different, not necessarily taking the route that you'd expect. This isn't what you'd imagine a typical Sony game to look like. No. Um, and probably the, the market for this game is niche. And I'm aware of that. But this is what Sony is capable of when they kind of, I don't know, stretch themselves or experiment. That's the word I'm looking for. And I feel like that Sony isn't really around anymore. And... My my favourite era of Sony was the PS2, but I really like the PS3 as well. And well, if you think of Sony PS3, the, the game that this uh, draws comparisons to for me is Journey. Yes. Um, big time. Yes. And I, I really enjoyed Journey. Um, yeah. But it has got a very similar vibe to that, you know? Yeah, that, that game I'd say was, yeah, inspired by Eco. Um, and I love that game as well. I think it's a very good game. Mm. Um, so Sony Computer Entertainment Japan Studio closed fairly recently and there was a bit of an outcry from fans of Japan Studio um, about its closure because it was seen as that was the quirky studio that didn't necessarily have the mainstream appeal but used to come out with the experimental games and they closed it Um, so I feel like part of Sony's personality kind of went then. Um, I think Eco... I mean, we're we're always comparing games to what we've already played on the list. And we've played some very good games. We've played some games that were very good that have not aged well. We've played some games that 
I don't really understand why they're there. Um, this is, to me, Sony at its finest, and I think it deserves to be up there with uh, some of the other games that, that come there. And it's obviously, it's an obvious answer, but this is one that I truly... I haven't said it for all the games that I've picked so that I think they deserve to be on the list, but I do think this game deserves to be there. And I think there's a, a an argument to be made that in some ways it's better than Shadow of the Colossus, even if Shadow of the Colossus is is better in some ways. But we'll, we'll get to that conversation anyway. But yeah, no, I think it deserves to be there. I think it's a... I really enjoyed replaying it. It's just a lovely experience. And I still get flawed when you get to that ending and you fight the shadows of the children like you. And then you um, you see the castle crumble and you don't quite know what's going on. And then you expect Yorda to have died there, but she saves you, she carries you out. She's a shadow, but you find her on the beach. So you don't quite know what's happened there or why that's no. happened. And it's it's just a, a, a very powerful moment. And I was kind of just as flawed now as I was back then. Um, and I'd forgotten how well that works, that moment. So yeah, I think it does. But on to a very different game next week. What have we got coming up? I believe that we have a very different game next week, which is what you've just said, so I thought I'd repeat you. Um, but we're going to be playing one of my games next week, which is one of those games that you can dip in and out of. Uh, we're going to be playing Stardew Valley, um, which is a game I started playing around about the same time as the newer Animal Crossing came out on the Switch because um, I couldn't really get into Animal Crossing and it kept me somewhat sane on um, well for quite a while in 2021 so that is the game that we're going to be playing next um, which I don't think you've played it before have you? I have started it yeah oh have you? yeah I, start, I started it years ago I, I, I bought it probably near release um, and I started playing but yeah, I struggled with it, but yeah, we'll see. Mm. Yes, we shall. Um, I don't really have any advice for you on it, just kind of... How can I not struggle with it? Don't have any expectations with it. Like, don't expect anything major. Don't expect any big gameplay elements. It's just... It's a bit like Harvest Moon. It's just one of those games that you can play while you've got something on in the background with a cup of tea or a hot chocolate and just... It's a relaxing game. I think it's a and game. Does to the hot chocolate to. come with the game? It doesn't. You will have to uh, purchase that separately, or alternatively, you can write a letter um, to the developer and um, perhaps ask him. Request a hot chocolate. Yes, which I'm sure he'll give you. Um, I hope so. Well, you'll have to report back next week when we uh, when we record. Well, my the episode. review will be scathing. Yes, understandably so. Um, but yes, that'll be next week, so Stardew Valley. Um, but in the meantime, as usual, find us on social media, Long Short of It Podcast. Uh, email us, longshortofitpodcast at hotmail.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed the episode, please either give us a rating on Spotify or a follow or on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to us. We do appreciate the feedback and the um, the action that you give us in terms of the follows and the ratings and the feedback so yes thank you for that but that is all for this week is there anything else to add from you mr eco man no no eco man that sounds no. like a, an environmental superhero eco man um but uh, yes, yes. eco man we will uh we'll see you next week for stardew valley but in the meantime take care cheerio see you on the next one